today on the Tearsheet Podcast. We've taken the complexity and complication from the telco world globally and put a, a layer of APIs on top of the telco network. You know, we call it our super network. And what that does is it allows us to offer customers the ability to embed communications into their offerings using very few lines of code. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Twilio sits behind the scenes of today's slick onboarding and login experiences. The tech firm gives its customers the ability to embed communications into their offerings. Twilio's few lines of code help with two-factor authentication, where you receive an SMS to your phone right after logging into an app or a website, all the way to, more recently, a broad omnichannel engagement platform. Bijan Mehta leads financial services at Twilio. I first met him years ago at our first Tearsheet conference. He was at J.P. Morgan then, and now leads Twilio's work in financial services, including the firm's go-to-market strategy and the channels it uses to reach customers in the industry. Bijan joins me on the podcast to discuss how short-form communication is being used in the financial services industry for authentication and increasingly in communications in general. We talk about how the firm's clients use Twilio technology to improve the customer experience. Here's my talk with Twilio's Bijan Mehta. My name is Bijan Mehta, and I'm the global head of financial services here at Twilio. Um, in my capacity, uh, I look after designing the go-to-market strategy uh, and the execution of our business across three yeah. core channels of our business. Yeah. The first is our direct sellers, mm -hmm. and we have over 700 plus uh, account executives globally. The second channel is our ISV channel. Mm -hmm. So thinking through all of the appropriate software companies that we should be looking to embed ourselves in. And then thirdly is our partnership channel, uh, figuring out all of the um, business cases that we can work on and help solve across financial services, meaning banking, insurance, um, payments, wealth management, for the benefit of the top consulting firms um, globally. Got it. Great mandate. I want to get into sort of the, the go-to-market and, and sort of the different channels in a minute. Can, can we talk about the core offerings that, that you guys have? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, Twilio was founded 14 years ago. Uh, as an API first company. And, you know, APIs, while they certainly existed 14 years ago, they weren't as uh, well understood as they are increasingly becoming now. So we started off with a core mission back 14 years ago to, as we like to say, democratize communications. And when we say that, what we mean is, We've taken the complexity and complication from the telco world globally and put a, a layer of APIs on top of the telco network. You know, we call it our super network. And what that does 
is it allows us to offer customers the ability to embed communications into their offerings using very few lines of code, as opposed to in the traditional world of, you know, if you're going to set up a, a, um, uh, a business, let's say in the UK, uh, and you're a US company, you're going to have to go to, you know, British Telecom, and you're going to have to figure out how to connect into their environment, and mm-hmm. then build all of that code. So we democratize that communications uh, by providing APIs. And more recently, through an acquisition we made of a company called Segment, we're now increasingly focused on the data element of what most firms um, are dealing with when it comes to understanding what their customers' um, needs and preferences are and being able to serve those up. So combined, we like to think of ourselves as an intelligent customer engagement platform. And I'm curious on the on the the client experience, um, not the end user, but do you typically? I mean, I I, I know Twilio, and and I think Twilio got its 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 initial sort of boost by sort of that authentication use case of yes, yes. logging into your account. And I know that you guys do a lot more. Um, can you talk about, I guess, the, the the product set as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I think about our product set, I can almost kind of bucket them into, into five categories. So the first is what I refer to as digital engagement. So that's really the the, the different forms of communication that we offer APIs in. That could be SMS, it could be voice, it could be video, it could be email, right? These are all forms of communication that we provide our customers via APIs. The second core offering is around security and authentication. And that's what you were just mentioning, Zach. So that's where we offer two-factor authentication, one-time passwords, and things like that. Mm -hmm. The the third area is what I generally like to refer to as workflow automation. And that's really combining elements of our different offerings and providing the ability for customers to, for example, um, automate the scheduling of an appointment. You know, maybe it's you get an appointment reminder and for some reason, you can't make that appointment now and you can um, via your texting app reschedule the appointment or it could be through something that we refer to as a product called speed to lead where you can aggregate top of funnel activity and respond more quickly to, uh, to third party requests for your product or your service. Um, these are all different forms of what I refer to, generally speaking, as workflow automation. The fourth area is customer service. And I, ref- you know, when I think about customer service, I refer to products like our IVR, uh, integrated voice response offering, or our chat bots, or our full-blown contact center offering. Um, all of these are designed to better channel customer inquiries when they're coming in. 
And then of course, the, the last and, and most recent fifth channel is around customer data, which we got into via the acquisition of segment Thank last you. November. Very interesting. And, and I'm curious also about the unfolding, I guess, of the product portfolio at, at the client level. Like, is it, is it typical that you get a, a foothold in, in one of those um, product offerings and then land and expand from there? Is it, or, or do, do firms come to you in the financial services industry looking for sort of that, that whole suite, those five products? So um, I would say it's very rare that even people know right. of the full breadth of what we do. Um, you know, uh, I would argue that most people use Twilio products in their personal and professional lives and have no idea that they're using Twilio. You know, the example I like to give is, is uh, car share, you know, uh, car sharing mm -hmm. uh, services. If you use uh, Uber or Lyft, you in effect are using Twilio capabilities. And so typically, you know, our, our go-to-market motion is land and expand. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that, you know, the, the top use cases that customers come to us for are around account security, as many people, certainly in the last 15 months, have uh, been strengthening their mobile offering. And so they look to us for a turnkey solution. The other big one is SMS notifications. Um, and so those are probably the top two. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to zoom out and talk about, I guess, this move towards API within the financial services industry. Obviously, yeah. we look at some of the biggest companies in the space and the most exciting, at least from our coverage standpoint, you know, the, the Twilio's and the Stripes. Um, yeah. these, these are based on APIs. And maybe you could take us through sort of that evolution um, they're not opposites, obviously, software as a solution and APIs, but there has definitely been a move towards the embedding of these services into, into end products. Can you yeah. talk about the sort of dynamic there? Sure, sure. So, you know, when, when I think about APIs, you know, um, I first got involved in APIs back in 2003 when I was working at Citibank and overseeing the, um, the execution of our foreign exchange trading with uh, different firms. And obviously the, the world has evolved a lot since then. And when I look at, you know, kind of what is happening with APIs now, you know, I, I like to think of APIs as a way to shortcut the building of different capabilities. And it's best seen in the FinTech world, right? When, when you know, many of these FinTech companies that have, gone on to become unicorns um, or are, you know, just starting out, typically their developers will look to orchestrate a variety of different um, capabilities by incorporating other people's APIs into their build. And so when you think about APIs now, I almost think of them as like Lego blocks and you know, organizations can say, well, you know, uh, instead of building a two-factor authentication solution, because there's nothing truly unique there, why don't we just take Twilio's two-factor authentication, right? Instead of building an IVR solution, 
uh, to better automate the uh, inbound calls that we're going to get from a customer service point of view, why don't we take Twilio's IVR solution? And what that does is it helps to increase the time to market for a lot of these products and services. And I think that's one of the, the, the greatest impacts that APIs are making. Um, so can you give us an example, some examples of um, client implementation? I, I'm kind of curious, like at the highest level, like, you know, yeah. do, are, are some of the larger institutions, how are they getting the gospel on, on API implementations? You, you mentioned your early experience with City. Um, yeah. have, have they embraced the API architecture? I, I would say that COVID has really um, accelerated um, the development of using APIs, certainly within incumbent organizations. Um, you know, you name the bank or the insurance company, and they're leveraging APIs throughout their business. Um, you know, I like to refer to it as the uh, replatforming of the industry, where it's pretty much in, in one fell swoop, they're going from on-prem to, you know, they're kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say they're skipping SaaS, but they're evolving beyond SaaS into APIs. And, and so, you know, we work with uh, a broad range of, of really amazing organizations uh, in the financial services uh, industry and when I think of, um, you know, some of the work that we're doing, for example, with Morgan Stanley, you know, we're powering the ability for all of Morgan Stanley's wealth management advisors to securely and compliantly text message with their customers. And, you know, moreover, we provide a, um, an infrastructure that allows the advisor to not just communicate with the end client, but also the end client's um, uh, other um, potential, uh, you know, you know, required third-party advisors like a lawyer or mm. an accountant, as, you know, as it were. Uh, we're working with ING, which is a major international bank, um, and we're providing, you know, elements of their contact center offering, right? Um, they're using our video APIs to help onboard new customers. Um, we're working you know, on the digitally native side with organizations like uh, WISE, you mm -hmm. know, formerly known as TransferWISE, where we're powering all 3 million plus customers with secure two-factor authentication. Um, we're working with New Bank, you know, the world's largest challenger bank, mm -hmm. and providing them uh, a full-blown contact center offering. So these are just some of the the, the customers. Um, but you know, what what I find interesting is that in just in the last two years, um, it's the incumbent players that are asking us more and more what we're doing with the fintechs, the challenger banks of the world, then their traditional quote unquote 
competitor or mm. peer. And so there is a there is definitely a realization that APIs, um, you know, are uh, the way to go uh, for multiple reasons. You know, you get a better technology agility, you get better time to market, and you get flexibility. So we recently had on the on the podcast um, Chase's head of the uh, owner of, of UX at, at Chase, and, and she talked about how. Uh, exactly as you're describing, you know, they're looking at fintechs and big tech, particularly um, for inspiration and guidance, I think, in terms of uh, of trends that are informing, you know, an incumbent financial product, which which I think is really interesting. How yeah. how important how important, Bijan, is um, is communication as part of the entire um, financial services experience for today's customer? Well, I would say. You know, certainly in a B2C environment, and that can extend beyond, you know, retail banking, it can, it could go into wealth management, it can go into payments, of course, it can go into insurance. Um, you know, what COVID has done is it's highlighted the criticality of meeting the customer over the channel of their choosing. And, you know, we're going through just you know, zooming out um, a massive demographic shift globally, and even just specifically here in the US, where, you know, the millennial generation is increasingly becoming um, the, the dominant active generation online. And, you know, organizations are realizing that in order to um, support those customers, they're gonna to have to create tools that are um, easy to use, intuitive, um, predictive, right? Um, you know, leveraging all of the machine learning and, and AI that's increasingly now happening um, and do it in a way that you don't have to have an 18 month uh, launch cycle for a new product or service, right? You know, uh, the example you just shared about the person from Chase that was talking about, um, you know, their new product uh, offering strategy. Yes, you have to look at big techs and you have to look at fintechs um, as, a, as a North Star in terms of how you look to build some of these capabilities. I mean, it's funny. I, I think, you know, we've done over 400 of these types of interviews, Bijan, and like, Occasionally, there's this one fintech that stands out where, like, the entire product is communication. Like, there's there's actually no no UI other than SMS. You know, yeah. there's no website, there's no app, right. um, and that you know when when I first encountered that, it just it kind of it kind of blew my mind to to say like, wow, you can really distill a service down to just communication. Um, and yeah. I think that was just a paradigm I, I hadn't encountered before. What what's up? next for you guys like obviously so you have the segment um acquisition and it sounds like you're you've incorporated that into the product set and it, i'm sure you have a lot of uh you know cross-selling and marketing to do here um yes what what's next for you guys like what's what are your biggest priorities moving into the end of this year beginning to think about 2022 so i think for us you know we we as a business you know we went public uh, a little over four years ago 
uh, we're, we're running at a, a $2.8 billion revenue run rate. Um, you know, our, our E-team is maniacally focused on uh, our customers. Um, we see the, the tragedy of COVID uh, in, in, in a positive sense of really aligning um, industries, uh, financial services inc you know, included, uh, along this digital journey. Um, we, in a, you know, we did a survey at the end of last year and we found that 95% of the key decision makers that we reached out to had indicated that on average, the increase in the use of digital tools has gone up by at least six years in terms of um, the, the, the shift over the last 15, 15 months, right? So they've accelerated plans by an average of six years. And so for us as a company, you know, we're steadfastly focused on um, our, our core original mission, which is democratizing communications, coupled with the additional value that segment brings to our product portfolio. Because in order to democratize communications, you need to be able to have a, a really strong understanding and footprint around your customer. And that's what segment delivers uh, for our customer base. And so, you know, we're in the early stages of integrating the segment technology into our toolkit. And we think that, you know, over the next two to three years, um, that piece of technology um, in terms of the segment acquisition is going to yield uh, tremendous value to our customers. And then I would have to say the other big piece for us is scaling our um, contact center offering. And so, you know, contact centers were not really viewed as a mission critical piece of technology, but of course, because of COVID and because that many people were obviously sent into a work from home uh, environment, uh, the need to have a cloud-based contact center that can be flexible to integrate different technologies became really critical. And so, you know, that's a, that's a piece of our business, which was that fourth element that I talked about earlier, that we're going to be looking to scale um, um, dramatically here in the next couple of years. And before we go, Bijon, I, I want to come back to something you, you, you addressed in, in the early part of our conversation about the, um, the different channels you use uh, to connect with, with clients. Um, you mentioned, I think it was 700 direct sellers. Um, I'm kind of curious to understand how each one of those um, those channels work uh, and whether those 700 are actually dedicated to – do you have dedicated financial service sellers? Um, we do. Talk, talk yeah. about – yeah, I guess talk about the sales cycle. Sure, sure. So, you know, one of the things and the reasons that uh, – one of the key reasons I joined Twilio was because at the end of 2019 – um, the company's leadership team decided that they're going to verticalize our go-to-market. And so they decided that we're going to focus initially on three key industry verticals, financial services, healthcare, 
and public sector. And it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that these are also the three most regulated industries. And so what we've been doing uh, from the beginning of 2020 is um, creating a dedicated industry sales team. Uh, we're starting in the US or North America, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And we have been growing that dedicated uh, account executive team uh, across these three industry verticals. Um, and what we will be doing over time is, is basically verticalizing the go-to-market of the business. It will take another couple of years to, to fully um, uh, you know, verticalize. Some markets globally um, have already verticalized just by virtue of the fact that financial services tends to be a, a considerable piece of their, of their uh, territory. But in North America, um, which is where we're starting the verticalization effort, um, you know, the results have been uh, astoundingly good. And, um, you know, we're looking to um, go segment by segment, customer segment by customer segment. And the other, the other two go to markets, the, um, the indirect channel, I guess, with the software um, providers as oh, well yeah, and sure. as partnerships. So, can we, can we hear a little bit about your yeah, activities I, there? I, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So on the ISV side, um, you know, we're continuing to beef up that team. Um, and, you know, we're, we're adding more account executives for the ISV sales team. In the, the, the third channel was our partnership channel. Um, we continue to hire uh, people. Uh, within that uh, group to, again, go out to the major GSIs, uh, which stands for Global Systems Integrators, mm -hmm. as well as regional SIs in helping them understand what are the business problems that Twilio is solving in the industry. So we're definitely in growth mode. Amazing, Bijan. It's always great to talk to you. Great to catch up and great to hear about all the things going on at Twilio. Thanks for joining us today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Excellent. Thank you so much, Zach. I really appreciate it.